Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show. Coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska. Where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. Hello, everyone. Welcome aboard. This is the Must Read Alaska show, the Friday edition. I'm your host, James Bayston, coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. Hey, we have a great show lined up for you today. We're going to hit four or five big topics that are listed on the Must Read Alaska website. We're going to be covering topics at the federal and state level. Hopefully, it'll be entertaining and educational. Uh, we'll get you started so you can start your weekend off right. Look, um, if you haven't been to the Must Read Alaska website recently, that's where you can go and get the best content that we have available. Suzanne Downing works very hard on updating the news on the site, and that's where you're going to find your best conservative news here in Alaska. Also, we have great podcasts and live Facebook feeds that John Quick and Suzanne Downing does throughout the week. I get to follow up here on Fridays and Hopefully you're enjoying the content that we're putting out there. We do ask that if you get a chance, please go to our website, mustreadalaska.com, and that's where you can find the donate button. Donating to, to Must Read Alaska is what keeps this content flowing and keeps, uh, keeps the, the mainstream media on their toes, as well as we have a sponsor this week, and that is Charlie Pierce for Governor. We want to thank Charlie Pierce for Governor for being our sponsor this week. And if anybody else out there would like to join us in that effort, please uh, send us a message. So we're going to get started here and just hold on. Of course, the big story for all of us in Alaska was a sad story, and that was the passing of Congressman Don Young, Congressman for All Alaska that, that happened over the last weekend. And of course, there's been a lot of tributes put out to, to Don Young. Um, he was definitely a, a great leader in our state. Don, Don Young was elected to office back in 1973, and then he served 25 different terms that he was elected, one of the longest serving congressmen in history of our, of our country. Uh, he will be missed, large shoes to fill. Uh, I personally had a chance, just like most Alaskans, we have wonderful stories of meeting Don Young throughout the years. Personally, I had a chance to meet with him several different times in Washington, D.C. In my past life as a fire chief and as a president of the Alaska Fire Chiefs Conference, I got to go back to Washington, D.C. and meet our delegation. And of course, Don Young always took us in and would spend 20 or 30 minutes with us. Myself and a couple other fire chiefs would always stop by and discuss issues that we had dealing with, with things that we were trying to make better in the fire service. And he would always listen intentively and he always grasped the topics that we were discussing along with his wonderful stories. And he would show us around his office. He just made you feel welcome every time you were there. But another personal matter that, that I got to spend with Don Young was back during the 2020 campaign season down here on the Kenai Peninsula. My wife and I got to spend about 15 minutes with him privately. 
because we were running for office and he was basically giving us some advice on how we could deal with the ups and downs of running for office and the negativity that that spouses have to deal with. And it was just a, a wonderful moment. And I, I will hold that dearly in my heart for a long time. He will be missed. And of course, there's going to be big issues on how we move forward and replace our congressman. So that's going to be a conversation that we're going to have next. So again, our thoughts and prayers goes out to the Don Young family and his staff and his friends. Uh, you will be missed, Congressman Young. So now we have to get into the how-to. How are we going to replace Congressman Young and what procedures are the state um, going to have to follow? Well, I wrote down four topics here that are going to be of interest to everybody during this process. And it is special elections, ranked choice voting, mail-in ballots, unlimited contributions. Oh my, isn't this going to be a crazy three or six months on what we have to do when it comes to replacing our congressman? And it started this week. The governor, the first thing that had to take place was the governor had to put a proclamation in place. The governor does not have the authority to replace our congressman. It has to be done by a vote of the people. So he has to put a proclamation in place to start the election process within the next 60 to 90 days. So his first actions was to introduce that proclamation, which states that it is now open to file to put your name in for the vacancy. And that ends April 1st. So you have up until April 1st to show up, put your $100 down and put your name as an interested candidate. And there are going to be some interesting candidates. Um, just recently, of course, Nick Baggage is the name that's been out there probably the most. Uh, we have Josh Revac, who is a state senator out of Anchorage. Both of those individuals worked for Don Young, and now he has put his name out there. His issue will be, as a state senator, he cannot actively campaign until the session ends. And then you've also got uh, the name of Sarah Palin, um, our previous governor. Um, people are saying that she may put her name in there, and that there's going to be a bunch of others. And we'll cover all those other names once it closes first of April. But it's going to be an interesting time because all those names as of April 1st will then go into a special primary election on June 11th. And that election typically would be called a jungle primary because every name will be listed and you will pick one of those names to go forward. And that one name that you pick will then become narrowed down to the top four. I'm looking at my notes as we go because this is where it starts to get confusing. So on August 16th, there will be a special election concurrently with the regular Alaska primary. So you voted on in June, you narrowed it down to four candidates, and that's just for the temporary replacement of Congressman Young. So that will be to finish out his term as we move forward with the normal election. So you're going to have those four candidates that you're going to use the ranked choice voting to get through. And at the same time, you're going to have another list of maybe eight or 10 candidates that you're going to pick one that you're going to go to forward to November into the general election to permanently replace our congressperson. 
going to be very confusing. And oh, by the way, in June, it's going to be a mail-in ballot voting only. Um, there are going to be a few exceptions. It looks like that you're going to be able to go to and vote in person, but it looks like it's going to be almost 100% mail-in balloting, which of course, a lot of us have an issue with because it's not that you're asking for the ballot, they're going to send the ballot out and what, what voting rolls are they going to use to establish that and how many ballots are going to go out there that could end up in places they shouldn't. Now, it does look like they're going to have to bring it back down to where when you vote by mail, you're going to also have to have someone verify that, sign, sign your ballot as well as you sign the ballot. They're going to give you a postage return envelope, so it's going to already have the postage on it so you can send it back. But, you know, most of us, uh, we hate the thought of having a, a, a mail-in ballot only election because it, it can lead to the people getting ballots that shouldn't get them and the misuse of that. So a lot to talk about there. And I, as I look through my, my notes, I just want to make sure that I'm not missing anything to, to fill the seat. So again, so very, very interesting process. So this year, we're going to vote in June for our temporary congressperson. And then in August, we're going to have two elections at the same time to, to identify the, the top four we're going to be voting for, for the temporary Congress position. And we're going to be moving to November, where we're going to make it permanent. Stand by. Uh, if I missed up on, messed up on anything, I apologize. But those are the notes that I have here that I took from watching the press conference and looking at the other things that are going on the, on the news. And this is going to be very interesting because I, I don't think a lot of us saw this coming this quick. The state definitely isn't prepared to hold this election this quickly. And that's why that's why I'm sure they have chosen mail-in balloting because it is probably the quickest way for them to get things in line, um, whether, it, um, uh, whether it's correctly to do that right now, I don't think they have a choice. Now, hopefully by the time we get past June, our, our voting system will go back to normal to where you will have to ask for a, a ballot if you're gonna be absent and everything else will, will be back to normal in our normal voting precincts. I hope that's what happens. I'm not sure. I don't know if anybody knows yet how that's gonna take place. Um, it's gonna be interesting. And if you're into politics, um, this state is gonna be heavily followed. And think about it, you know, again, some of the things that I talked about is unlimited contributions. So right now, as it stands, the money is going to flow. And I don't see in, I don't see the legislature in Juneau stopping that. I, I do know that there's a bill moving forward that was sponsored by Representative Calvin Schrage out of Anchorage. Uh, and that was to put limits of $2,000 on individuals. And I, again, I don't think this, this is going to happen because all you have to do is follow the money. Money is important when it comes to elections. I would almost bet you that it does not make it through the legislature during this election cycle. So that's what we, uh, that's what we know about the special election and how it's going to move forward. Uh, it's going to be fun. My next topic that I like to talk about is one that I've talked about over the last couple of weeks, and that's one I'm going to call mandate freedom. And the mandate freedom section of this podcast specifically deals with what 
kind of crazy issues are still taking place when it comes to masking and vaccine mandates out there on the national and state level, just to kind of see where we're at today. And it's crazy to see some of the things going on. So some of the stories that I'm going to talk about today is I'll, I'll just kind of walk my way across some of the things that I, that I, I noticed over the week. The first one was dealing with Los Angeles County Schools. Uh, in, in Los Angeles now, I guess what I could say is, you know, COVID must be over with whenever finally in the school district after two years in Los Angeles, which I think they have 450,000 students that they have finally pulled back and they're going to make masks no longer mandatory. It'll be a choice of the individual and the parents of those children, whether they wear masks or not. Get in reading to some of the story and some of the things that, that of course took place here. Because again, remember the whole thing was follow the science, follow the science. But to get rid of the mask, that's not about following the science. It's about getting the approval of the school district's union. So they had to go to a vote with the union to, to remove the mask. Fortunately, at this point in time, two years, a lot later than it should have been, 85%, it looks like 85% of the teachers voted to get rid of the mask as a mandate in the classroom, except for the smallest and youngest children, age five and under, because a vaccine hasn't been approved yet. And they want those children still to maintain their mask to protect them. Really? Again, you want a vaccine to come in to protect those those children age five and younger before you remove their mask. Can you imagine in their lives, the importance of being able to interact with teachers and their students of their age without a mask to be able to see the facial movements and discussions that they take place. Again, I'm happy that they, that, that they, they went one direction, but again, they, they, didn't, they didn't take it all because liberals cannot, they cannot give power up. That's exactly what this comes down to. It's no longer about science. Let's move on to the airlines. What I like about uh, what I read today was the CEO of the nation's largest airlines are asking the president to drop the federal mask mandate on airplanes and uh, as well as in these airports. So here we are, you know, they extended it. If you remember, the Center for Disease Control earlier this, this month extended the mask mandates in transit for another 30 days until mid-April. Um, the airlines understands now the amount of grief that their employees are taking over this. They know that the science no longer is supporting this and it needs to go away. So hopefully they'll have, they'll have a little bit of um, leeway and can, can convince the president. I doubt if they'll remove it before this last 30 days that they put in place. I'd be very surprised that they do, but let's hope so. It needs to go away too. One of the things that uh, I was looking at that I, I don't know, just this one here just drives me nuts. So I was reading uh, another article where the Army kicks out its first three coronavirus vaccine refusers. So in the military, and I served for over 13 years, and I received vaccines throughout my military career. I'm not an anti-vaccine person, but we, we got to this point to where you used to have some religious freedoms in this country, and even in the military, those religious freedoms were extended to you. Well, 
in the army and in most branches of service, they're not granting hardly any, almost less than 1% of people who are asking for, for the religious exemptions are getting them. So a lot of the members are going to be kicked out. And again, here we are, young 20, 30 year old members of our armed services dedicating their life to protecting us. We can't go a little bit out of our way to give them this religious freedom that they're asking for when it comes to this vaccine. They're not putting anybody in danger. They're not putting our military in danger. We know that now. We know now that when you receive the vaccine, you can still get COVID and you can still transmit it. So uh, it's not what it was two years ago. And the belief and the science that we have then has changed. So how about giving our military a little difference and allowing them to continue their careers to protect us and let them have some of these waivers. Don't be so strict on them. COVID tests for Canada, as the Must Read Alaska website puts out there, that COVID test requirements lift April 1st, but random mandatory tests will replace it and vaccines are still required. So here we are again, going back and forth between the border of the United States and Canada, and we still have vaccine requirements in place. Uh, needs to go away. Uh, should go away sooner than later. Um, it, it makes it difficult for us to, to do commerce. And of course, that was one of the big issues with the truckers and why uh, they had their freedom rally on, on the vaccine mandates. And then, then let's move to some hypocrisy here. New York, the mayor of New York, uh, here is what he has with his vaccine mandate taking place. And a lot of you may not know this, but inside of New York City, they have a mandate that all employees have to be employed, have to be vaccinated. Well, Mayor Adams basically is going to excuse athletes and performers from the vaccine mandate. Isn't that wonderful? So if you're very rich, you're a millionaire, you're, you're into sports, you're into performance, you're, an, you're, you're one of those people, you don't have to get the vaccine uh, as of this week, he has dropped that. But if, you, if you're a firefighter, you're a police officer, you're a nurse, you work in the state, just go into an office. Sorry for you, serfs. You're going to have to continue to get your vaccine because I say so. Can you believe that a mayor has that much power? That is, that is what scares me the most. The, the liberal side of this, who again, loves power, never wants to give it back. It's not about the science. It's about controlling people. New York City, they deserve to fail because of people like that. And that is what I call my mandate freedom and the craziness that is still going on two years into this. I have a, a nice article dealing with the Second Amendment. I, I typically like to, to finish off if I can find something. Sometimes good, sometimes bad when it comes to the Second Amendment. And I found a, a great article for this week that took place in South Dakota specifically dealing with concealed carry permits. Um, as part of the open for business package, South Dakota Republican Governor Kristi Noem on Tuesday signed a bill that zeroes out fees for, for concealed carry permits in the state. It looks like it was very popular. Most of the law, lawmakers, specifically in the Senate, they passed it at 34 to one and in the House 61 to eight. So it drops all the fees for the state's carry permits down to zero. And I think they had three different levels of permits. 
And uh, the neat thing about having a concealed carry permit in, in these states is that if you get a concealed carry permit, uh, there's 37 other states that recognize those permits. So you get reciprocity across state lines and you can carry concealed. I'm a big proponent of carry concealed. Here in the state of Alaska, you don't have to have a permit to carry a concealed uh, handgun. Uh, I think most states, whenever they adopt these type of uh, laws, they typically see crime decrease, not increase. And by the way, it is in the second minute. It protects us. We are allowed to protect ourselves and our families, and we should not have to ask the government for their permission. So way to go, South Dakota. Support you wholeheartedly. As we come to an end today, I want to thank everyone for joining the Must Read Alaska show. It's been a fun show. Again, I want to thank our sponsor, Charlie Pierce for Governor. If you haven't recently, please join us at mustreadalaska.com. Donate if you can. That's how we keep the mainstream media on their toes. Have a great weekend, and God willing, I'll be back with you again next week. Have a great weekend.